When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, if you've had a bladder leak today, listen up. I get it. I tried pills and pads for years but couldn't find relief until I found Axonix Therapy. It's a tiny device that put me back in control of my bladder. Why not see if it could work for you? Visit findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. You're listening to a Castaway Media Podcast. Find more great shows at castaway.media or find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash castawaypodcasts. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of Cladaruna. So I'm sitting here with uh, Dean Gurry. How are you, Dean? How's it going, Joe? How All right, you? good. Yeah, we're just having a, a lovely... Uh, Cody's. Code Jack Cody's Hibernicus. Which, uh, what do you think of it? Have you had it? I'm having... It's pretty smooth, actually. I'm having a... Hibernicus too. That's, yeah, you are. We're both yeah. having the Hibernicus. Very nice. And uh, some of the IPAs can be very strong, but this one is uh, uh, isn't too bad. Yeah. No, I, I like it. I've I've tried all the Jack Cody's so far, and uh, can't say I've, I've I've had a bad one. I think they're probably the best beer in the world. Now I'm just I'm just guessing now, but that could be. I'd say they are. Um, endorsements, endorsements. <laughs> I smell endorsements. IPA endorsements. Anyway, look, we're 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 going to be doing the live uh, podcast, which will be out in a few weeks now. Uh, th- later on, you'll be listening to my interview with Christiane O'Mahony, who's a comedian, harpist, actress, and playwright. She's written a play called The Women of 1916, which will be on Galway next week. Um, and Dean, I was in your uh, video. I was in a video for your song. Uh, Give me a chance. Give me a chance. Yeah. Which I uh, enjoyed doing that. It turned out pretty good, actually. Yeah, mm. it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, it's 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 going pretty good too. Actually, getting a lot of uh, feedback yeah. back home. And uh, yeah. needless to say, I was stopped on the street last week by uh, someone who's been following my stuff for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. She has, I think, her youngest is um, six. Yeah. And uh, the little girl can't get enough of the song for some bloody reason because it's a pretty heavy song. Like, yeah. But she can never get past the first 30 seconds of the video for some reason. All right. And she thinks someone's pretty scary looking in the video. All right. She's scared by it, is she? <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah. <laughs> it was a bit of a kind of Jack Nick. Nick yeah, it was a bit of a shining thing. Shining, yeah, shining, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. exactly. And the house kind of helped as well. The, the, oh, the well, whole that the house. house is mad because I was looking at a portrait on the wall of a, le- a woman. Yes. And the guy, what's the name of the guy? Was it? Uh, uh, Durkin O'Hara. Durkin O'Hara. Yeah, he said, yeah. uh, that's the last nice guy, uh, person to die of rabies in Ireland. I didn't know that. Yeah, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he I said... I heard the wolf thing. Or the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, the wolf thing comes yeah, yeah. But then he said the the support of a man and he said uh, and she was suffering so badly that this chap uh, smothered her smothered her with a pillow upstairs in the bedroom upstairs which actually maybe that's why the video has that kind of that kind of dark sort of vibe going through it maybe there was something 
in the house that day. And uh, you know, like it's that's technically that's murder. But anyway, I didn't want to say that to him. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> we got to use his bloody house for the whole day. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, so what was the the wolf was the last there was a head of a wolf on man, the well. I laughed I laughed when he mentioned that because the, the look on your face was priceless because mm. I know that you were thinking after him saying that it was probably the second last or the last wolf to be shot in Ireland yeah. that you were thinking well why bloody kill it yeah that's you know? what I was thinking why uh, did you shoot it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so that was uh, but, <laughs> peculiar uh, well whatever it was good crack anyway yeah. and have you been um, you lost the album was the it? video the, oh, the video, video. Yeah, video. Um, yeah last week uh, back home in Sligo and uh, we're in the process now of uh, finishing off the album due for launch in mid-June in mid-June all going well yeah and then we hit the road then with a tour of the country and yeah uh, yeah festivals and all of the stuff that you do to yeah. promo the album cool. so uh, yeah and I'm you'll be playing in the live podcast later on and that'll be out yes. that'll be out in about three weeks brilliant I'm looking forward to that so, actually this is a nice place. Nice, nice little room. spot. Nice little spot, yeah. Nice intimate room, yeah. So Anyway, cheers. Be good. Cheers, bud. Nice and, to meet you again. Uh, good to see you again. And now, uh, folks, have a listen to my chat with Christian Omani. in recording an intro for the other podcast when you called oh right for the last one yeah so that's why I was a bit confused when you called me on the phone oh yeah yeah did I sound a bit flustered yeah <laughs> more than normal Joe <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, it's kind of cold outside you wouldn't expect it to be cold I, like I don't know why you wouldn't expect it to be cold but yeah. I'm always surprised by the cold because it's sunny Mm. It's sunny but cold. I love yeah. I love coming in. To, I've just come in from Mead and it's just brilliant walking around Dublin. Any luck on that house? And the bells went off. Oh yeah, uh, the uh, the agent rang me just now, and um, I just said, uh, would the owners be interested if I rented the house and let it as a B- Airbnb? Oh. And she said, um, I'll ask them. But that's incredibly risky, isn't it? Kind of. I think you should put an ad up on Rent-A-Comic because I'd say that's a great place to find balanced, sociable, (laughs) reliable people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who would happily rent your house with you. Okay. Or like if you said to us, oh yeah, how about five comedians? Like, would you you rent it to five comedians? Yeah. And then... I know. How to lose lose a house in 10 minutes. (laughs) Um, Um, Yeah. If anyone, you know, I'll explain this. If uh, I saw a house for 2,000 something, 5,000, two and a half thousand a month. But it's five bedroom. And I thought of five people, it'd be about 500 a month. But um, it's and a beautiful it's, house though. It looks really nice. Mm. And is that, um, like I guess maybe because it's not, it's a little bit off the beaten track. It's not, because I would have thought it might be snapped up very quickly, but clearly. Well, yeah, uh, but who would snap? Yeah, I know. It's, a, well, it's not that. I mean, see, the thing is, uh, lots of people will probably rent apartments in Drada or that area and be paying that amount of money for one room in an apartment. And yet, I thought if I put it on Facebook, I'd get loads of people going, oh, look, it's amazing. But people are like, geez, that's very dear. But um, 
it's it's amazing house. It's imagine living there. It'd be fabulous, yeah. It'd be incredible. I mean, they call it a cottage, but it's really it's, no, it's, it's a it's massive it's understatement. Yeah, be the first time ever that an estate agent has understated a house. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and uh, I think I know the people who who owned it. I wonder if anyway doesn't matter let's not talk about it um uh yeah so uh christian i i i i know you from um what about three years ago four years mm. from uh i mean you did a couple of gigs with the hairy bowsies oh yeah you yeah. did mm. Is that the first time i met you now? possibly possibly mm. um uh, i think i might have gone in to look at the improv in the international oh yeah I think we were talking after that oh okay um, yes. And uh, you, you were bringing a harp. You were doing stand up back then. You're not doing it anymore now. Yeah, I've taken a bit of a break from it. Although I did some gigs, la- like mm. I did some gigs like last year and stuff. But I took a break because I was writing a play and I just mm. found it really hard to focus on stand up and writing a play at, at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, especially with stand up kind of going out, gigging at night and stuff, it was just easier to focus on like yeah. one thing at a time. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Um, well, I can imagine. Um, how long does it take you to write? Like, do you write a few drafts and things like that? With the play? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it, um, I suppose it really pushed me in a way that I wouldn't push myself when I was writing for stand-up because I, I was going under other people's eyes and stuff. Like, yeah, I wrote loads of drafts. Yeah. But I think I did it in a really long-winded way because I changed, like, I dropped half the story and did, like, probably the most in, like, like, I, took, like I did it in a really long-winded way. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know the fact that you had other people reading the drafts and giving you advice and like working with a director and another actor so so I think I feel like that pushed the standard of it in a way mm. that if it was just me on my own yeah you know I wouldn't have uh, you know more, like a few heads better than one so oh yeah not too many not too many heads mind you yeah. I think you can you can get too many people giving you advice then as well and you have to decide well this is what I want to say mm-hmm. so I'll just say that um, but this is uh, what's the play called? Sisters of the Rising. Sisters of the Rising. Mm. Uh, I, I haven't seen it, but um, it's been in Cork, right? It did Cork yeah. first, was it? Yeah, we did a week in Cork uh, there in March, and mm. we're going to Burr. And Burr, yeah, uh, Burr has got a brilliant theatre, the Oxman's Town House. Is it? It's called. It's yeah. like an old. Is it an old meeting house? Like you know um, the uh, some religion. I can't remember the um, anyway it looks amazing yeah. yeah it's beside the big castle I, I presumed mm. that it was in fact the, the castle people what are they called the Rosses oh yeah g- they probably owned half the town and gave this house to the theatre alright oh, so it's not a meet, meeting house well I could be wrong about that but I, th- mm. I thought it was the Rosses gave it yeah 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 sure no but it's beautiful <laughs> to <looking>. the peasants <laughs> for theatre yeah <laughs> um, uh. Yeah, it's really cute, isn't it? It's very, yeah. very, you know, I haven't been in there in years, actually. But um, yeah, it's um, I'm kind of excited because that's my home county. Like I'm yeah. not a Burr person. I'm a Tullamore person. Tullamore. Mm. You grew up and went to school the whole lot there. Yeah. 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 OK. So, um, uh, uh, what? what uh, how many kids are there in the family? Oh, my family. Uh, mm. I, I am a middle child. I've got two brothers. Two on either side. Yes. Um, I'm the only girl. Um, and are they uh, in the arts? Not at all. No, but no. They're, they're both very creative. Actually, they're both. Mm. And actually, my brother is doing like they does. They do, they have both done loads of stuff, and they do stuff kind of on the side and things. Like mm. my brother, 
my other brother did, did, did um, a stand-up gig but then my other mm. brother uh, is really funny like he's way, he's like the funniest person mm. in our family yeah <laughs> it's kind of depressing then because he's like he has never done comedy or anything <laughs> and I was like oh damn you <laughs> like he gave the he gave my brother's best man speech there um, last summer and it was just mm. Like he was, people were going up to him after it. Like he was just very, he's very good. He's very, yeah. yeah. This younger or older? Younger, younger. But he'd be far too kind of laid back now to be bothered with something like stand up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like Asher. Well, nervous as well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, like. And um, what, what does he do? Um, at the moment, he's in Australia and he's working in co- with a kind of with the Department of the Environment out there. Oh, Jamie Mac. Um, and uh, my my two brothers are in Australia. <laughs> There's some kind of a hint there for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, but he's not like in Australia, as in your average Irish person just uh, working in a bar or something like that. But he's got a proper job over there. Properish, mm. like yeah, yeah, mm. sure, you know. But it's it's good. Like I mean, I think. Um, mm so sunny over there and everything it's just it's mm-hmm. so much better like the only reason that have you been yeah yeah I went to visit because my other brother's been there a few years like mm. have you been no I've never been and it's just like it's no wonder they're so healthy and happy the Australians like are they so happy lovely <laughs> I don't know <laughs> but it's just so great like like and then then they're like I know like my older brother who's kind of a bit more settled out there he's like well we'll come home because of family and I'm just like are your family that great like yeah it's really nice out there and like the money's better out there and the sunshine and they've got a great quality of life like the Auss- Aussies and they as well like dogs like dogs are allowed into restaurants and everything and but they just their quality of life and they mm. make lovely coffee and and uh, there's things like there's lo- misogyny and racism and stuff mm. but you can overlook those things <laughs> for the sunshine yeah yeah mm. yeah who cares about the racism and all that yeah all that stuff yeah, um, and also no. I'd love I I've, I'd love a country where there was um, crazy animals like snakes and kangaroos and like couldn't that be just so cool or not like mm. pandas? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I've not been there, so I I I, I, I don't know what to make of it. Um, you get mixed reports. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do. And it's funny because I probably would never have gone except that my brother lives there. Yeah. Um, just quality of life wise, I can see it's really appealing. Maybe not. Um, maybe wouldn't excite me in the way that you know, like I'd love to go to South America or other mm. country. You know, it wouldn't strike me as the most culturally exciting place. I think Melbourne is a bit of a hot spot culturally. Like, but mm. then you hear mm. bad things, like you mad things about the outback or people uh, yeah. uh, towns where hit mining towns and. Oh yeah, like actually, know. there was this mining town called Cuba PD that I visited when I was. Um, I got a. a uh, I got on a bus that went from like the middle of Melbourne, Alice Springs, yeah. um, all the way down to, Mel- to Melbourne. And uh, yeah, there was this mining town, and like all everyone lives underground, um, because mm. it's really cold in the winter and it's really warm in the summer, and it's in the middle of just nowhere, nothing, mm. absolutely nothing. Um, yeah, like it was kind of fascinating, and like they showed us these houses, like and they're all underground. Yeah. Like, but I think it's really depressing. I spoke to this girl who worked as a, in the mining industry, and she said she was like the only woman there, and she said mm. all the lads would be coming to her to talk about their problems, you know, because they're all really low. Everyone's really lonely, yeah. and like at day it would be very tough. Like, well, it's a place where you just go and make a lot of money and don't stay too long. I guess. Yeah, 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 and if you can, if you're to- if you can tolerate that, yeah. I don't know. But what do you mean underground though? Are there no windows in the houses? Uh, like I think there was like a, a roof window. Yeah. There, there would be the roof, there'd be the odd roof window. Like the house is nice enough, but like I was just on a but, tour. But no, it's it's underground, like yeah. there's no wall, like you don't see a house. What, you just go down? Yeah. Did, yeah. And, and the, I think the reason that is that it, it's it's very, 
heat efficient. Yeah. <laughs> well, that sounds great. Uh, I'd love an underground house. Um, mm. um, but I, like, uh, they do allow animals into uh, restaurants and bars in in Switzerland as well. And, yeah, and, they don't and, hear. Um, yeah, because I like, okay. I don't know what it's like in Australia, but in Switzerland, if you get a dog, you've got to. It's got to go to classes. Uh, <laughs> night classes. Your dogs are better behaved than our <laughs> yeah, humans. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's got to have an ID. It's got to have ID. Uh, you, you, Speak there's, there's, but and there's poop or snoop snoop what the hell? there's poop bags everywhere like yeah. uh, the, but if you let your dog shit like you're really it's a big fine oh, yeah. but so but so the dogs are sensible they're not idiot dogs like uh, here you'd have just mad dogs in restaurants that would be yeah like I've I've a very cute dog here I'll show you yeah. a picture of him right? yeah. and I was minding him for my mum and dad like oh my god he's just like a little like a little teddy toy yeah and I had him right and I won't mention the name of the restaurant but like I Mm. I was holding him like like a handbag yeah (laughs) in my hand and I was getting a cup of coffee from this place and I was just sitting on the bench um, with him and people were smiling at him and everything and then the guy came up and he's like sorry you're going to have to sit outside Um, and I had to sit outside while they were making my coffee and then they brought out the coffee cup and on the coffee cup there was a picture of a dog Uh, that's it's just like you're using this as your icon And they're not even welcome. Yeah. Like, Should have sent that back. Yeah, if I was principled. <laughs> yeah. And then I brought my dog to my rehearsal room where he wasn't meant to be either. <laughs> yeah. And I hid him in my coat. <laughs> yeah, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then eventually, yeah, they got found out and I had to bring him home. <laughs> oh, I brought my dog. I used to bring my dog. This dog isn't alive now, but uh, Elsa. Elsa. Uh, on uh, to gigs and stuff and uh, I snuck her into the ho- I was doing a gig in the Royal in in uh, Castlebar and uh, I found there was a way in from the car park the hotel car park there was a door in the right into my floor so I bring the I was bringing the dog in to my hotel room oh brilliant but then she started barking and stuff oh and, uh, no. then then I was I was you should have found that it was you <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> but it was but uh, I was booking um, B and Bs that are dog friendly as well. Oh at yeah. Some, at, on some gigs, uh, owners are always they're always really crazy ladies. Though. Yes, but they're ladies who dogs. spell things out in front of their dogs. <laughs> 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 that is so funny. Later, like, I'll be bringing her for a W A L K. If I say the word, she'll know it. <laughs> That is so funny. But I could really see, I mm. think I, I, I'd say I was about a, a few weeks off that myself, like when, when my yeah. parents did. I became really obsessed with the dog. And now mm. um, I gave it like back to my parents and I, uh, like I started interrogating my parents and I go home to visit them. And I'm like, how are you looking after him? Because like, he doesn't look as happy as when he was with me. Yeah. And then I put him on my lap and I'm like, are they being nice to you? Are they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I definitely lost it. Like, and yeah. I t- like overanalyze like his behavior completely, like totally humanize mm. him. And I'm like, oh, he was, my friend of mine was minding him when I was doing the play and um, mm. she sent me photographs and I'd be like oh she had two dogs herself and mm. I, th- she had um, so my Oscar was in this room and uh, the other two dogs were on Your the Oscar? other my Oscar is my dog oh sorry and, yeah. and he was sorry. here and her dogs were on the other side mm. and I was like why aren't they all sitting beside each other like are they not being nice to him I was like he's not smiling but then I looked <laughs> at all the, like, the thousands of photos I've taken of him and actually he never smiles he's always got a grumpy face but yeah <laughs> um yeah, they're lovely, like. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I've got a mental dog now with uh, Rosie, but she's hard work. Good names, though. Very gentle names. They're always names that are given already. I haven't been able to name any last two dogs. Uh, mm. Elsa came from uh, a man who who's in his eighties and he died, and his family didn't want the dog, so I took Elsa. Oh. And uh, she was old as well. Um, and Rosie is another rescue dog with a name already. That's actually mm. so, so the right thing to do because there's so many poor dogs like going oh around, totally rescue know. yeah yeah and because all the like all the posh dogs are actually so unhealthy incredibly. they are yeah like they're inbred yeah. yeah like they're it's terrible it's so cruel what we do to them isn't yeah. it they can't breathe and their brains are too big for their skull it's horrific yeah, like and pugs and cavaliers ears and, and things yeah. Yeah and, oh, yeah and I didn't re- I didn't realise that I thought like a pedigree dog was like a good like I thought that meant that they were a really good dog. You know, the pedigree the, dog is an inbred dog. Yeah, you think really. high high pedigree people think that means really good, but no, it yeah, as you say inbred, inbred <laughs> and totally. But people are so we are so cruel. Like the pugs, like you know, pugs are so cute. Like they look so cute, mm. but actually they're very cranky. But mm. would you blame them because they can barely breathe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like we're so we're such hot. Like t- um, people yeah. are awful. Yeah. It's really, but mind you, uh, and I was, I was praising Switzerland there. But I think in those Switzerland and those Scandinavian countries, they don't have mongrels. They they have it's all pedigree dogs. Mm, so especially in they, Scandinavia, because uh, everyone's so beautiful. Uh, yeah. And what uh, are the people inbred? They probably are actually. They're bred like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They get too tall people and people are inbred fairly tall as well, people and breed them too so well. <laughs> Not as fucked up. Are you saying what? I didn't. <laughs> I said people are inbred and awfully as well, but it does not <laughs> make them beautiful. <laughs> well, beautiful to uh, people collectors. <laughs> they like that look. Fascinating. That yeah. pug face. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so you were, when you were growing up there and going to school, did you do uh, music then? Because I know you play the harp. Were you doing that? Yeah, yeah. I've always uh, kind of um, been interested in music. And mm. um, my mum was very good, like, Bringing us, she was like a taxi. Even though my mothers are, like, that's what parents do. Yeah, yeah bringing us everywhere, and especially because we lived in the country. And you know, I was actually going to say, sorry, I'm interrupting you again. Right. You were talking about your dog. I just yes. realised my son, when he was about two, mm. I got refused from one of those flipping pubs in the afternoon in town with your son because they didn't take children. Children, and that really annoyed me. I was waiting for someone. I was waiting for my partner at the time. And uh, I had to wait outside in the rain. And what do they think? You're going to give the kid a pint or something? like? <sighs> and he was two. Yeah. In the thing. Anyway, affect them. So sorry, your your mother uh, your mother uh, brought you to music it, lessons and yeah. all this. I like mm. just on that note though, like children can be. I hate when I see children in a restaurant and I go because I I don't have them myself <laughs> yeah. and I have to say like even though I was like oh my god that's terrible. <laughs> okay. Now wait wait wait. This is the problem is if a child is misbehaving, yes that is wrong and parents should be chastised and told to leave. Yeah, no, yeah. Like dogs. Yeah, mind them. Children are like dogs. They they have to be <laughs> behaved. Yeah, and th- they can be like I just uh, that's just what I found. I, I was in a restaurant recently, and I'm pretty sure these people changed their child's nappy at the table. Yeah. Um, oh God. And even I didn't like it. That was disgusting. It was the other side of the restaurant, so I didn't have to see it. That's even it's, it's more just when the children can move and they're running around, yeah. and bouncing and and yeah. screaming and rah, yeah, yeah, that's. And they're going to run into a waiter and have a plate of food, hot boiling food, soup on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but uh, so let's go back to. Um, Sorry. Uh, you, when did you start doing music? What What was your in? Was, oh. was it did it come from you or was it like a mother thing? Yeah, well, actually, so my first year in school, like when I was in, in you know four, mm. um, the teacher played like um, a ca- you know a keyboard. I bought one of those into school, and I went home. I was like, "Mom, I want to learn that." Yeah. And then my mother, bless her, got the teacher to teach me outside of school. And she was, was horrible. Like she was horrible. And like one day I was coming home and, and I didn't realise that she was waiting for me in the hall. And I said to my mum, oh, not Miss, I won't say her name. Mm-hmm. Not her. She's not here. Is she? I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. and then like, we just like, oh, hi. Um, but she was really boring, to be honest. Like, and mm-hmm. then I had uh, various different teachers, like over the course of the years. Yeah. Piano teachers, um, local, just various local teachers. Mm-hmm. And um, like some of them were great. But like I teach kids now and mm-hmm. I think actually most teachers are really not very good because I think they, I think you should draw things out of the student instead of having a method approach like mm. I think if a student shows interest I always had an interest in playing by ear and mm. like like one time I went in for a lesson and I hadn't practiced my brother was doing his piece and then I got up yeah. and I was like oh I don't know the piece at all so it's like I'll just wing it now and I played it and then she goes that was very good Christian but that actually wasn't your piece that was David's piece like so I picked up his piece like I'm, you know it was probably a simple enough piece you know yeah, what I mean but I picked that up um, so I wasn't diligent but like clearly I had, had a bit I of an ear um, and she was like oh that's great and she was like okay, now, now we go back to your piece like, and instead of like if I had a kid came into me now with you know and had an ear as, as lots of them do like a good ear I'd get them I'd encourage them to use that yeah. and to develop that I think that's much more valuable than uh, but uh, anyway that's a yeah no it's true it's true yeah 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 Mm. And so they just do it by the book a lot of them. And, and yeah, and yeah. But then I then I had a brilliant teacher then when I was about four. Um, I did an exam um, when I was about fourteen, and then as a result of the exam, I got offered a scholarship to learn to study in DIT, mm. um, uh, like on a part time basis. <laughs> <laughs> like let's go to university <laughs> at 14 like as just uh, once a week at a lesson That's and then nice. I had this amazing teacher called Susan Mannion who like totally opened my ears up like she was really good she was brilliant yeah she was great she was so nice and everything and uh, this is on piano piano yeah. yeah and then she and then and then meanwhile then I probably said passing passing comment at one stage like I want a harp which I think it was just because I had two brothers and I was trying to repel everything boyish so it was like what is the most kind of ethereal female like sort of like non-boyish thing I can ask for <laughs> and it was like oh a harp like and um and my mother was brilliant like so she yeah. uh, she first of all she went to this um old antiques like not but like a kind of um, a junk shop and she found a harp yeah <laughs> and she got it but it, it had no strings on it and it was completely unflavorable <laughs> so that we had to get a proper one then after mm. that and they were amazing like and they had to drive a long way for the lessons like not, there was nobody in Offaly who played the harp then yeah where did you drive to? Dublin. She had to drive me to Dublin. No. And every few weeks, yeah, it was, she was amazing. Like, my mm. mother deserves a prize, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose at least, I always say to her, like, at least it turned out well. Like, at least, at least I still do it now. Not like, yeah, that, that's just when I'm, you know, but they were amazing. My mum and dad were brilliant. Yeah. That's and you don't appreciate that when you're a child at all. You're just like, you know. Yeah, it's, it's. You think it's you're given. great. Like, yeah. I thought I was great for doing a bit of practice, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> 
it's so ridiculous you know you thought but actually they're the great ones for paying for the lessons and everything you know yeah yeah and so the harp is it a big jump from the piano actually it's quite, it's quite close to the piano yeah um, if you could play the piano like technically it's t- totally different but mm. in terms of uh, you've got a le- like a, a left hand and a right hand that play together and mm-hmm. uh, the, the music the staves are the same like you've got the treble and the bass and also the thing about the harp is that it sort of sounds nice straight away like you could have no talent and yeah. it'd be very hard to make it sound <laughs> bad as opposed to the violin or yeah. something oh so, yeah I can imagine that so it has that um, and uh, so but it's big and that's mm. the thing that I uh, was amazed because you were using the harp in your stand-up mm. I was going wow Jesus bringing that all the way Dedicated. I mean when you're starting off you're not doing a long set are you you're doing no. 10 minutes mm. yeah massive. but even yeah but even I suppose bringing it to like where would you play it as a uh, serious musician I was a serious musician <laughs> well I used to like do play with orchestras and I still actually play with orchestras yeah. sometimes um, and I, like in acting as well like I've used it in theatre shows like in it's in Sisters of the Rising actually there's harp music in yeah. that um, Are you acting in it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, that's uh, if you're writing the play, you might as well write yourself in. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the leading and, role goes to. <laughs> and she happens to be playing a harp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just so happens. Yeah. Um, mm. It seemed kind of appropriate because the theme mm. of it, like, and that. But uh, it was actually I really enjoyed the experience of. So we have this brilliant composer who wrote. Mm the sort of soundtrack for the play mm. um, the score for the play um, based on a, th- a theme tune um, but but um, it's really cool because we ended up using the harp almost like a, there's two actors on stage but it's almost like a third actor mm. like it plays it, it takes the form of like we use it as a drum and we use it as a heartbeat and we use it as a door and yeah. make all these almost like a foley instrument like I, I find that really exciting because mm. uh, I'm used to just playing it like in a conventional conventional kind of mm. Irishy maiden type way well yeah which is very um, kind of I, I hate that mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know uh, because it just gets, it's very cliched I suppose you know mm. but so it was actually kind of cool to be able to play it in uh, to, to discover like different possibilities mm. so. and so did you uh, 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 you see you were playing it through second um, sec, um, second level. school mm. and then did you go to music <coughs> school or college or something like that or um, I actually um, I did a degree in psychology. Oh right, okay. <clears throat> um, Jeez, I better watch what I say. And I play, <laughs> I played the harp all the way through mm. that. Like I played music all the way through. all the way through <laughs> the lectures and everything. Yeah, <laughs> everything. I always brought it with me. Yeah. Um, like uh, yeah, I yeah, I played a lot. Like all kinds of everything. Like and so by the end of that, it was the obvious thing then to kind of. I played music for a year after that. But so when you were doing, when you say you played it, were you just playing it on your own? Were you getting lessons still? Or uh, oh, oh yeah, I think I probably was getting lessons yeah. at that stage because I was doing loads of uh, playing with orchestras and I played with a mm. band and playing with um, all kinds of every, like not comedy, but you yeah, know, yeah, loads yeah. of other things. Just loads of playing with chamber groups and it was kind of classical background, so yeah. all that sort of stuff. Uh, and but then what I found really exciting was. After I graduated and when I started training as an actor, I was excited that you can use music. Sometimes in classical music, it, like in your training, you're not encouraged to be that creative because you're. it's so focused on learning skills and learning technique, um, yeah. which is about like, I mean, and that the kind of the ability to improvise and be free and 
create I think I think classical musicians are very highly critical of their own playing and that, that they're more that they, they don't really it doesn't cultivate a kind of a creativity and a freedom of expression and mm. um, so I, I loved the fact that when I was in like tr- we're in theatre then that you could sort of mess around and and, and it, it felt like more of a celebration of of kind of musical possibilities mm. um, and then like I did a little bit of, I got, got a handful of jazz singing lessons and same thing again I thought this is uh, this is more open this is more free and even though I know you have to I know that like jazz musicians would probably roll their eyes because like obviously you have to know things in jazz you can't just like improvise without mm. knowing the kind of basic rules and I, I wouldn't pretend to know that much about jazz but just that it seemed that the approach was different like that it was more about creativity mm. you know and about uh improvising and being free which I don't think something something that you got from classical training yeah I'm wondering about that classical uh, musicians how do they how um, different are is, can they interpret at all like are you allowed to do you, do you mean I have to stick to a strict I think uh, like I think if you're if you're reading from uh, sheet music you have to cut pretty much play what's on the page but of course but, but even what's on the page can that not be different from one player to another oh yeah absolutely of course absolutely and absolutely has to be like a, a performance uh, you up uh, like of course the, the, and of course there is creativity like when I say, say that mm. there isn't it's I'm being disingenuous like of course there is um, and nothing in a way nothing beats I think the the feeling of, of playing a beautiful like you know piece uh I mean I say from the classical canon like obviously that's a massive like there's like hundreds and hundreds of years yeah. worth of, of music there um, like it, it is it's wonderful but it, but in a sense that you'd never go off the notes that are on the page of course yeah. you know it, it would, you wouldn't be able to free to improvise off those or I suppose in terms of composition and I mean I say that because I never got composition classes so perhaps um, it was only just my, from my experience of getting lessons that mm. it felt very much like there you go and I learned that piece and now learn that piece and now learn that piece as opposed to now write something yourself or Yeah but if you learn even though learning a piece say you learn a piece and it's perfect note perfect but you how do you know how do you, how do you make it feel like it's um, expressing something I mean a computer could play a piece note perfect Yeah Yeah so you have to bring so your, how, yourself to it you have to bring your personality yeah. to it and I suppose it's in the same way that two different actors will t- treat right. a text completely differently like um, oh yeah and, and mm. that's what's the difference between a very average musician and a wonderful one like is mm. somebody's and interpretation and how much is the is the conductor involved, involved in way more than you might think yeah because you, know, you go and you look at them waving and you're like what are they actually doing yeah. <laughs> but actually they're very important <laughs> like um, but because they well they bring you in but then they also uh like they, they, well, they don't. Oh, then you should be counting yourself. Like if you're playing an orchestra, you should be mm. counting. You should know when you have to come in. Um, but then, yes, the, the the conductor is the one who puts the complete shape on the piece. The conductor is the one who helps the musicians to interpret it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And um, through a few rehearsals and yeah, in rehearsals and trying and to then. bring out um, uh, you know, particular sounds and particular moods, and uh. trying to bring, trying to get the most out of the ensemble, and really encourage people to listen to each other as well, and to enjoy it, and and yeah, like I like I um I play with an orchestra now called the uh, Co Orchestra, 
Yeah. And a guy called John Doyle um, conducts that and he's so cool. Like he's so brilliant. Uh, I think at, at at creating that lovely sense of getting people to listen and enjoy. Mm. Um, I think if, if people are enjoying it. When they're playing it. it it'll, yeah, it'll come across. And then if they know the piece really well, I guess they can enjoy it more. Well, or, yes. Or you can. Yeah. And they like, do, you know, sorry, yeah. go ahead. Uh, they do gigs in kind of funny locations. Like so they did one in a warehouse there. And I was sitting and all the audience were like sitting like pretty much right beside us. Yeah. So this guy was sitting beside me and he was like, oh, yeah, I could see all the notes on your page. You played them all. Well done. Wow. <laughs> um, but so they, they had to have all these kind of funny locations like where you'd God, like you a place. Uh, like, keep me informed. Yeah. 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 I let you. They, they don't always have harp in their program. Um, oh, yeah. So okay. but they did um, Peter and the Wolf and they got me to narrate it. No way. That was really well, fun. Well, where was that? That was in, um, what do you call it? The button fa- Was it the Button Factory? Yeah. Yes, I think that was in the Button Factory. It was really fun. Oh, that's amazing. I brought my really kids when they were younger that. to Peter and the Wolf in um, uh, the Helix. But there, ha- there was an animation as well, I think. Oh, yeah. And a, an orchestra playing. I love those shows where you get to see um, animations with orchestras. They're so cool, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Exciting. Yeah, ah, that was brilliant. Yeah, so that's what the cinema was. Well, maybe not quite the whole orchestra, but like years ago, didn't they have? They'd have somebody on a piano. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, with silent movies. Yeah, and uh, uh, well, not just on it. Oh, what else did I go? I went to see ba- Battleship Potemkin in the National Concert Hall with an orchestra as well. Mm. That was pretty good. I haven't seen many of those things, but um, yeah. And uh, so, um, ha- when did acting become part of your uh, another string on your bow? Um, I actually always I think wanted to be an actor um, yeah. and, and I was doing drama and stuff lo- like when I was a kid a lot I, like I loved performing oh, should I come away from well, it just no pr- point it to your mouth oh my mouth like this oh yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. we're talking about the microphone we're talking here. about the microphone <laughs> um, I um, yeah I was always acting and I loved it and then um, I think my parents had a panic then when I started saying oh I could look at this course like there's this course in London that I could do like when yeah. I was a teenager and they were like oh my god so they took me to all these um, like career guidance counsellors like they paid loads of people loads of money just to tell me that I shouldn't be an actor and that I should be really I should be a solicitor <laughs> and that really if I was a barrister that that was the same as an actor hang on they paid people to <laughs> yeah. say this yeah because you have to pay the career guidance like I mean mm-hmm. they sort of say oh we'll go and you can have a career consultation with this person yeah but really this is nothing to do with school there's a private yeah. career consultation there was that, there yeah. was so con- I remember sitting on the couch with this man in Mullingar and yeah. he was like look <laughs> <laughs> this is bizarre yeah and he was like look do you know and like as if they believe in you anything like I mean you know, um, and uh, like I, I, that's fine. That's fine because actually, you know, uh, college was really fun, and I think mm. acting is kind of really tough. And it was no harm. It was no harm having a bit of time. Um, you know, it was no harm having like going into acting a little bit, like not going in at eighteen. I might have been crushed completely. Because, mm. like, you know, yourself acting, like the rejection is massive. And <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know. Well, I mean, acting to me is something that I've just started doing properly, really. But um, yeah, it's, it's all it's been it's auditions and rejection. Yeah, mm, which is like, n- but I, I think people don't realize like, like literally 90% of the auditions. Yeah, yeah. At least <laughs> will be yeah. rejection. So it, and so it's very hard to get used to that if because if, everything about the way we're socialized when we're children growing up, you know, you're rewarded for hard work. Mm-hmm. And the level of success is much greater, you know, in school and everything like your level mm-hmm. of success will be much greater. So I think it's a, an awful 
shock then <laughs> we go into a profession where the hit rate is so low yeah it's pretty bad and yeah I don't think I've, I've ever got used to it actually mm. I've always come out of auditions going over the lines over and I go oh, I should have done it this way should have done that you know blah, blah, blah. Mm. I'd love to sit in on audition I th- believe that's yes. the best way to learn how to do an audition is to sit, sit in. in and watch what other people are doing yeah that'd be great wouldn't it yeah I'd like that as well oh did you not do that for did you audition people for your play um, no because actually the girl who's playing with me Roseanne Lynch um, mm. I offered to the part because we trained in college together and we kind of look alike a lot of people said oh yeah, yeah you uh, will I show you a picture yeah um, of us um, I'll show it to you later actually yeah um, show it later yeah. yeah so but they were like oh she's um, yeah that we looked very similar and I knew she, I knew she was a great actor and she was yeah. fantastic like, she was, all right yeah. so yeah, I suppose you know what because I, I I knew actors, so I, I knew, I knew what I knew, I knew what Rosanna would be like. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, of course. Yeah, um, and um, sorry, um, so, uh, so were you acting for a good while till you decided stand up? Oh, stand up. Yeah. Mm. Well, I decided. Um, I was looking for improv classes because I wanted to kind of scare myself. Mm you know like kind of not <laughs> like in, in a performance sense challenge yourself maybe <laughs> challenge myself yeah. yeah kind of like do things that were really outside my comfort zone so and I was looking up for improv classes and there wasn't any improv classes yeah um, but there was a stand up class really so I did that yeah, did you? what was that like um, I had n- <laughs> I knew nothing about comedy at all so it was fine yeah like, yeah um, I kind of realised going into it I probably had a bit of a head start on, like I remember our first day and like <laughs> We had to write stuff and get up and say it for people and there was like yeah. three people in the group so three of us uh, yeah and one of the guys delivered his whole set to the window <laughs> <laughs> did he <laughs> yeah he just like looked away from everybody it was like so weird so you kind of realise like just by having a background in acting that yeah. actually helped even though like it helped just from having a little bit of cop on yeah, like, yeah I looked yeah. at people <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. you made eye contact yeah, yeah so yeah um, um hmm Yes, I did that, and then um, <laughs> you, looked, you looked at your audience. It's amazing. She really won the crowd over. So that was the first uh, class. Yeah. Um, look at your audience. I remember that guy um, was like, he's like, I'm going to do a set on panini, paninis. Like nobody's talking about paninis. And I just think that's <laughs> that's where it's at. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and then he never did a gig after that <laughs> ever again. And I don't th- think I have ever heard anyone talking about paninis no, on stage. So. Uh, I, I've mentioned paninis in my set, <gasps> but you? not it's it's a very passing. It's it's not. Passing I wouldn't thing. say it's set on paninis. paninis yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's interesting because I've heard uh, people talk about sage and basil, <laughs> 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 not paninis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you, did you do your first gig then straight after after mm. this lesson? Yeah. And where was that? Uh, Doyle's Doyle's you know Doyle's pub there in town beside Trinity oh right okay yeah kind of um, never done a gig there upstairs yeah, yeah like and it was it was great like and I think people's first gigs are always great, great. aren't they yeah you know? and my family all came and my brothers and my mum came and my brother was really nervous like uh, for me yeah <laughs> and uh, but like I didn't have any expectations so I wasn't particularly nervous well yeah. I was well, actually that's a complete lie I was obviously terrified but like as in 
I wasn't like, oh God, if this goes wrong, I will have failed in my life's choice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's just like, this is a stupidly thing I'm yeah. doing. And David, my brother brought like loads of friends. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he was so nervous for me. I don't know why, but he brought loads of friends and my mom was in there as well. And so, um, but it went really well. Mm. Like, it was great. Like, yeah, but I mean, like you look, you know, you look back and you're like, oh God, that was just so cringy. Like, that, like, I had a hat on and I made a joke about the hat. Like, it was so <laughs> crap, like. <laughs> but like, um, yeah. But that would terrify me if my family were there at my first gig. I know, I know. And they, should, they never came since, really. Like, uh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I know, well, they did the odd time. Um, they yeah. came to the odd thing. But um, ah, it was never easy having family there. No, it's it? terrible. It's terrible. I, uh, yeah. You know, because then if it goes badly... Then oh. they think, oh, she's totally failed. Oh, the poor, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's nothing worse than doing a gig with friends in the audience and it doesn't go well. Mm. And then they're like, oh, oh. she's so deluded. <laughs> <laughs> and like you, you, it's just awful, really. And you it's, try to make excuses, but you, you know, you're a sinking ship. Oh, but it's terrible if they sit in the front row as well. I always say, look, if you're coming, do not be in my eye line, please. Yeah. You know, but they quite often will sit in the front row. My sister did that once in Vicar Street. Front right in the front row and I was like what the fuck yeah anyway yeah yeah, yeah family I just prefer not knowing anybody yeah uh, yeah I think that's just always better you won't you? trust your family's laughter anyway you that's go well you, you're just laughing because they want to make it's me feel good yeah, yeah. and people so. will find you funnier hopefully if they know you as well you know it might be a little bit funnier for them or not they yeah, but then you probably could make them laugh but then it'll be all in jokes probably I, well, I don't know whatever mm. but I just don't like family and friends in, in my line of vision basically so but anyway it went well and that was it. you started doing it yeah, yeah but in a very and sort of sporadic kind of a way oh yeah like, you know um, and did you bring yeah. your har- did you use your harp in the first gig no I, no. I only started no. using the harp when I was uh, you know like I was playing uh Rap, rapping with Des Bishop uh, with his oh sorry did you tour with Des Bishop yeah and when I was playing the, doing the rapping with him and stuff then he was I was and I had sort so of hang on you were rapping with him I wasn't rapping I was playing the harp okay. to his raps and how did that come about Um Twitter he put a call out on Twitter for harpist and did he? then I um <laughs> yeah like yeah he said oh, I'm looking for a harpist and uh, my a couple of people contacted me and said oh Des, Des Bishop's looking for a harpist mm. So I got in touch with them and I was like, yeah, I'm a harpist. Um, and I was doing a bit of stand up. Um, and, and then um, you see, then when I was doing that show with him, I had the harp on the stage. Mm. So it meant I could. And he was like, oh, you're really free to try whatever you want. But obviously, you know, when there's like like six, seven, eight, nine hundred people there. You're like, oh, yeah, cool. I'll just try what I want. So no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but actually, like it meant because I had the big harp so I could try things out with so I started doing a lot of the harp with comedy then mm. um, and um, yeah so that's really when I started using that's a that's harp. a great way to start would you do like full tour or whatever all over the yeah no it was, it was fantastic God, you're kind of spoiled like you know the yeah and then you do like because that would be at the weekends and then you kind of go into the halfpenny on a Tuesday mm. <laughs> they'd be like oh that's a smaller crowd tonight isn't it and they're like this is actually brilliant um, mm. no it's a bit different doing a smaller crowd because the uh, laughter in a big venue is so long you could kind of just almost mm. think you're thinking ahead I find anyway yeah Mm. But actually, it's funny because, um, do you know, if you're in a theatre and you can't see people, 
Mm. Um, I found that was a strange thing because I like being able to look at people's yeah. faces and comment on them. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't do that when it's a big theatre. And not, not only that, you can't really comment on stuff because they're all sitting in rows and they can't see the person that you're commenting on. Do you know exactly, yes. No. Yeah, so it's not um, as um, intimate. And it's mm. kind of... Um, uh, and also just like when the stakes are really low, like, you know, if you were doing a gig and you weren't getting paid for it or that, like you'd be just relaxed. You'd be relaxed. And yeah. so then you can be brilliant. And then suddenly if it's really important. The stakes and are high. It, then you can be crap. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Because of the fear of, oh, I have to get it right, which is probably like the ki- the, the, the death The now. worst thing, yeah. <laughs> you know. There's something about a silence in a massive venue that you want to fill it up. So it's very hard to uh, get used to that, to enjoy that silence with yeah. 900 or whatever, 800 people there. Yes. Oh, goodness. Yes. It's a, it's a very loud silence. <laughs> it feels like it. Well, it probably feels like it. It's probably not. Yeah. Do you know, like, uh, I remember this comedian, Eddie Bannon used to do a thing about when you were doing a gig and you'd uh, have a glass of water on the table or on the floor beside you. And you really wanted a glass of water, drink some water and you just go down to drink some water and to go back. And it's such a small thing to do. Uh, but if you're nervous, you're like trying to do it really quickly because you don't want that silence. Yeah. <laughs> you go, oh, I just spill yeah. the water. All over yourself. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah, cause, um, my boyfriend is, is tech manager in a theatre mm. and he was mentioning a comic who comes in and who's very nervous. And he said that um, this person went to drink his water loads of times and yeah. never drank it. I never did it. You know, and it's <laughs> interesting that you say that. Yeah. It's true, like just having the, because people respond to confidence, don't they? Like just yeah. having the ability just to be there, present. Yeah. But I also think as well, um, leaving, that was something Dave Savage said to me one time, he saw me at a gig and he was like, he was like, you got to laugh, but then you didn't actually wait for the laugh to get really big. You kind of cut it off. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's something I found then in the play, I found myself listening and, and kind of listening to the audience in terms of, OK, they're going to laugh here. But this particular line, it's funny, but not immediately obvious. So it'll take a beat and then they laugh and mm. it'll be a nice long laugh. Um, yeah, like giving them the space to. Oh, yeah. That kind of timing is uh, you learn, obviously, mm. from doing stand up, which can work in the play as well. Yeah, although I suppose you have to be more careful in a play because you don't want to milk. Well, you don't. Yeah. It's not It's not about getting laughs. It's, it's not. telling a story. It's, it's actually quite hard, I think, to go from stand-up to doing a play. In yeah. that sense, because you... Because uh, the play was kind of yeah. quite serious as well. Yeah. So you're kind of like... And it gets funny as it goes in, but it starts out quite serious. So yeah. I think people have to realise that, like, actually a couple of years ago I was doing a play... And it was very, like, it was a tragedy. And, like, I get, my head gets chopped off at the end of it. I was playing Mary Stewart. And it was, like, mm. really funny. Because it's, like, how do you judge? if Because, like, like, if the audience is silent, like, if you make somebody cry, that's maybe the equivalent of, like, killing it. <laughs> you know, because mm. it's, like, the total opposite of... I suppose that's one of the things about stand-up. So if you get a laugh when your head's chopped off, you've obviously failed. <laughs> obviously failed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess so. It's, like... It, it's interesting how in comedy you can get that immediate feedback. yeah. Um, and you don't have that always with because I think people are more polite when they go to see a play anyway yeah they are but at the end you get your stand evasion I find it really weird the the uh, curtain the coming out for the bow I mean obviously you do it but um, 
it's kind of it's kind of weird when you've seen a play and you've invested so much in these characters and then and then the actors come out and go ah we were only acting you feel kind of betrayed yeah, yeah I do a little bit <laughs> yeah well, you should leave uh, before they come out then yeah yeah, like, yeah I, will leave I should my, yeah. walk out before the uh, bow yeah because we did, did, took our bow in um, mm. Cork um, one of the nights and we went off and then we, we, we didn't do the on off thing we just we'd take mm. a bow and they put the lights down and then another bow but then on the last night we, we, did, we did come out again for a bow but we couldn't see the audience so we kind of shot off and apparently they were starting to stand up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> apparently just looked really stupid because we just scuttled off like two <laughs> scared ducks like but we couldn't see the people were starting yeah. to standing over <laughs> oh they were giving a stand ovation yeah. and you left and we oh, walked off just at, at, as it was as the rise was oh. happening damn like but how they are we should put the, the house lights up for the bow. Yes, or I suppose if I was doing it again, I would just look through the darkness to try and yeah. see people. Well, that means going well then. You're getting standing ovation. That's great. That's good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cork people are very nice, though. <laughs> so you immediately put yourself down there. <laughs> no, it's not very good. I just. Well, they can be very critical as well. And yeah, I'm not a Cork yeah. person, so there's no reason to like me. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, you, uh, you, you were you doing stand up for a good bit then using the harp in the little venues yeah exactly mm. I was doing using the harp uh, yeah I started going around doing that and doing it like um, I got a little small harp then that I would bring okay. with me a little, little one and do you know what back. there was another girl doing stand up with oh, a harp there was yeah from Belfast which is the most ridiculous thing that there's two girls with harps doing stand up I've never met her now I think I've seen her once doing her gig. Mm. Yeah, and it's really it's funny. Very different, actually. Some people are really like, some people are really like anti harps. <laughs> 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 like, and oh, here she comes again with her, you know, <laughs> comedians like, oh, here she comes now with her big harp. Yeah, like, you know, she not just do stand up? Look at her with her, you know, fancy instrument. Yeah, mm. so, and I do think sometimes it can be like a bit, like you're freer sometimes just with a mic. Mm. And I do think, you know, talk about putting yourself into a box like, I know, yeah. <laughs> but like at the same time, it like that is actually part of my life. It's not just like something I picked up like a yeah. ukulele or something. It's like I actually have loads of stories about band camp and, you know, fancy and people that play the trumpet or, you know, this kind of just the kind of stuff and musical stuff. But then a lot of it would be very in jokey that maybe non musicians wouldn't kind of find yeah. it funny <laughs> just in a very kind of geeky way or whatever yeah. but it's just like it's such a big part of my life like music that and you know the way in comedy you talk about your life yeah you talk yeah. about things you know so oh look sure I would get that with even using a guitar the odd time oh it's not you oh, know yeah. it's an applause machine or something yeah mm. well I, and I actually think well all of these things uh, it can no, I mean, because it, it, it's, it's in easier in some ways, but then more difficult in other ways. And then to be actually quite unique ab- about it takes a bit of um, creativity because suddenly then mm. everybody has an instrument and everybody's different. You just have to do your own thing, don't just you? Just do your own thing. Not listen to anybody. You are carrying a massive harp up two flights of stairs. Up I know, to that the deserve, international. deserves yeah. the kind of... And I put it into that little room, you know, the room, the, the, that into that little thing onto the stairs oh yeah there's a little cubby hole yeah yeah put it in there sometimes or sometimes leave it on the stage but then I had the small one then and that was easier mm. you'd always be nervous in the international because you know the way like someone might yeah somebody could just jump up and grab it I mean that never happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know um 
it's always funny there, isn't it? Where the audience come right out and you're standing there. Like. Well, some of them are sitting on the stage. In yeah. the international, which I find very weird. If I was an audience member and I was told you're sitting on stage, I'd be like, Frick, no. Yeah, I wouldn't enjoy that at all. Because if they're not liking the gig and everyone else is laughing, they, they must be under pressure to laugh because everyone yes, can see them. because they're part of the show nearly. Yeah. I did a gig in there one time and my friend brought a friend of hers mm. and she was so drunk and she heckled me the whole way through. <laughs> and then <laughs> afterwards she spent, af- then she felt really bad and she afterwards she was like, I am, um, oh, you were really good. And then she thought, should I give me advice? Mm. And she's like, you should do more, I should talk about periods. Like, <laughs> she's like, you should talk about periods. Talk about periods. <laughs> yeah, talk about periods. Like nobody's ever done like, that. Like not every woman <laughs> Hasn't <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I was just, it's just kind of funny, like, um, it's the cliche woman, yeah. I was like, probably like, you know, and I, I would sort of say, talk about whatever you want uh, if you want to talk about periods, do, but just don't, don't talk, don't feel like you have to talk about them, <laughs> yeah, 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 either. But like, it was just really funny because she was like, heckled me the whole way through, and then at the end, started giving me loads of advice about oh, how she thought I could be back. The people who heckle, usually the people who come up to you afterwards and go, that was me. And they think they were <laughs> helping you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now you're going to, uh, where's the play going to now? And are you going to like go abroad and all that crap? Yeah, it's going to be great. So we're going mm. to Burr and then we're going to Galway. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Burr and then New York, obviously. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we're going. By the time this goes out, you'll have been in Burr, by the way. Oh yeah, you've been and gone from Oh yeah, Burr. so we forget about Burr. But Galway, yeah. we're going to be in Galway for the Galway Theatre Festival. Oh, that's cool. Uh, which is like the, tw- the 29th of April to like the 2nd of May yeah. in, in Nuns Island. Oh yeah. I really hope it's an island made of nuns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. disappointed if it isn't. Um, yeah. And then um, the rest of the tour has to be confirmed yet. Um, mm. like, uh, so uh, hopefully in the autumn we'll go around. And I'd love to go abroad with it. Mm. But that would be for other years well the good thing is even well this is the year this but this is the year in Ireland but sure nobody in the rest of the world gives a crap ah uh, no the Irish in America would be mad for it they would be yeah I suppose they well oh okay <clears throat> maybe you're, yeah I think that, that you can get away with uh, having an, a play about Irish national like it's not about national it's about it's not it's, specifically, it's like a non now, what is play. it about by the way oh yeah that's good we should probably talk about that shouldn't mm. we um, so it's the story of this woman Jo uh, it's the story of two sisters who who uh, fight in the rising but it's told from the perspective of Joe and it starts out in 1936 mm-hmm. which is when uh, this role of honour honor was published published, mm. um, and presented to De Valera and it's mm. a list of all the people who were involved in the rising um, and Joe reads this and sees that her sister isn't on it um, and she's then is compelled to tell the story their story about what happened so then you go back and you meet them when they were kids mm. and we kind of get to grow up with these two girls who were very young like they were only teenagers when they they're fictional but they are very much based on on witness accounts yeah. the characters so it's just about their little adventure like and it's it, like it's a light touch like it's a funny play it's obviously sad but it's funny like it's it has funny moments in it um, and so the two sisters kind of and their their adventure um, and they get a job as dispatch carriers so they go from one place to the next you know um, hiding things and it's written uh uh, kind of in um, verse partially in verse and partially then just dialogue which is you know so there's a bit of um, a couple of different things going on mm. and um, yeah and so, so it's, sev- it's 70 minutes long it's a one act 
All oh, right, yeah, yeah, cool, cool. And do you think you would have got involved yourself if it was... If I had been back there yeah. then? Ooh, well, you know, it's interesting because I was reading some of the accounts. I think it's so interesting like how differently different people were, became involved. I mean, mm. like some people, like there was these two girls I was reading about in the uh, witness accounts and they said, we just felt like nothing like this was ever going to happen in our lives again. So we kind of wanted to go in and yeah. have a look, you know. Um I mean, see, I don't know, because like, obviously like, there's so much of, like it was followed by so much violence, I suppose, in the name of nationalism. And mm. like, obviously, that's so problematic. And it's a kind of really hard to know, because I do feel like it was really wrong what the British were doing in Ireland. Um, I know people are anti-violence and saying, well, they shouldn't have done that. But I was like, well, if we were back there, you know, like, would we have been, would they have responded to anything else? Like, were they going to respond to talks? Like, who who knows? Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've always thought about what, what, what uh, because violence eventually leads to atrocity, atrocities like, say, I think people get involved in movements like that who are a bit psychotic as well. Ah, uh, yeah. And so there's a mixture, I think, of people who are true to a belief and a cause. And then I think there's other people who are just opportunists. And a lot of those, like, was it was it peers or like some of those leaders were going in there to die? Like they knew that they were yeah. going to die, and yeah, like there's something. Yeah, but look, there's people. Okay, there's people uh, involved in ISIS who are going exactly, in exactly to you die, know. and now they're going and to we die. think they're not jobs, and yet we look at yeah. these guys from a hundred years ago, and we're like, oh, they were great, blood they? sacrifice and all that. I don't think they were. Oh, they were great. Like that, and my reason for writing this play was that I wanted to tell a story about women who were involved in the rising. Because like, there's a famous mm. photograph of Elizabeth O'Farrell. There's a fo- photograph of Pierce handing in the surrender note mm-hmm. to the British. And if you look at that photograph, there's various versions of it online. And in the earlier versions, there's a pair of boots beside Pierce's, mm. and it's it's this woman, Elizabeth O'Farrell. Yeah. And so what happened when the, she she was involved in the rising, and then she. Uh, she was actually the one who handed the surrender note in and she went around to all the different garrisons and told everybody that the rising was over but some of them didn't believe her because she was a woman (laughs) Um, but at that moment when they were taking the photograph she was compelled to lean back because she felt this was Pierce's moment and she didn't want to take from that so she leaned back but her feet were in the picture when I think it's really interesting because she kind of like airbrushed herself out of it but as the years went on they brushed her feet and so instead of drawing her back in they decided to brush her feet out so that she's actually been airbrushed out of it. So she partially airbrushed herself and then, yeah, and then yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. airbrushed then, the rest of her out. Yeah. But it, you know, I, th- I think I just think that's a perfect metaphor for really what has happened. Because, you know, when I started like going into the National Library and reading about the women of the Rising and the stories, it really excited me, not necessarily the women of the Rising, but like how the first like just the story of Irish women and, and what happened like you know the, the Franchise League was, was established in 1913 and like Hannah Shee Skeffington and her husband Frank and all these really interesting people and it's a fascinating time and that really excited me in a way that history in school never did because it wasn't about me it wasn't my story or the story of you know because history should be about everybody's story mm-hmm. and not just the one kind of dominant sort of white male version do you know yeah of course um, so I think like that that that's what I wanted to talk about was I wanted to tell the story from a different perspective um, it's not to make um, I, like I'm not a sort of a I'm not a nas- I'm not I'm not a very strong nationalist like I am proud to be Irish and I love the Irish language and I love Irish music but I'm not a militant 
Republican or anything mm. like that, you know. But this would have been a movement that didn't have any involvement with the Catholic Church or anything like that. And so yeah, well, it, it was interesting because some, some of them, but I think some of the priests did turn a blind eye to it. Like, obviously, the, the Capuchin Order were very involved in, um, were, were very helpful. Like, my, my uncle was a Capuchin, my granduncle was a Capuchin priest, and he was always telling me about the rising because there was a father, Aloysius, who um, was a Capuchin. Capuchin. Yeah, who was, he was mm. with the leaders before they were shot. Oh, yeah. So I suppose some priests were more, uh, and there was, um, I, I remember reading as well about this priest who went around some of the garrisons and, um, yeah, who would have been involved in kind of, he came into the GPO then. And so, yeah, so obviously the, the official line was like the Catholic mm. Church do not support this, but some priests were, you know, yeah. supportive unofficially. And then I think the the official line changed after the assassinate or the uh, yeah, it all execution. Then. Sorry, when they realised there was most of the people who were behind it. Yeah, I think the church then got on board as well. Mm, yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, good look. Oops. Good look at the play. And are you going to go back to do the stand up? Are you going to? Yeah, gonna, yeah. Mm. Like, I think. I mean, I think so. Yeah. Mm. Um. I as I said, just find it hard to concentrate on. Though do, writing a play and writing comedy at the same time, ah yeah, you know, um, but no, I think I would like to. We like now that the dust has settled on this. I think I might mm. uh, go back. I certainly want to continue writing and performing. Mm. Um, I guess it's interesting now, isn't it? Like with like YouTube and and um, you kind of feel like you should be trying to focus on online stuff. Do yeah, you do you know what? It's or? better. Yeah, I think with the Bowsy stuff, we're yeah. just not doing live gigs. Just do the odd song mm. and put it up on YouTube. Yeah, and get your audience that yeah. way. Yeah. Anyway, listen, thanks a million for coming in. Oh, thanks for having um, me. It's br- brilliant. Yeah. Crack. Lovely. Yo, that was Christiane Omani and her play Sisters of the Rising will be on in Galway in Nuns Island Theatre this coming weekend, April 30th to May the 2nd, I believe, but I'm sure you can find that online. Um, well, it's snowing. It's uh, almost the end of April and it's snowing outside. What the hell is going on? Something to do with Prince time, perhaps. Sometimes it snows in April, that kind of vibe. I don't know. Uh, next week, I'll be talking to Anne Skelly, the uh, young actress from Red Rock. Actually, very, very interesting, brilliant interview. Um, and last night, I did the uh, live Potter Rooney with Jason Byrne, and that's fantastic. That'll be out in a couple of weeks. Uh, very, 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 very funny, actually. Uh, we had a great night last night and uh, thanks to Ender Roach for producing last night's and uh, doing the sound and all that kind of malarkey and uh, in the coming weeks I've also have Neil Delamere I think in a couple of weeks that one will be out so there's some good ones coming up and I'm heading off to Jestfest tomorrow down in Wexford and I may be recording a live podcast down there as well with Tom Stayed and a few other people. So it's all going good and thanks to Jack Cody for providing the beers. Um, thank you to Andrew Mangan for producing. Thanks to Daniel Rooney for the music and thank you for listening and if it's your first time or if it's not even your first time and you're listening on iTunes give me a star rating give me a review get 
can contact on Joe Rooney one at, at Twitter at Joe Rooney one and all my dates are coming up uh, because I'll be in Brussels next Tuesday uh, May the something the in uh, the Black Sheep in Brussels I know I'll be in Wales uh, the following Friday Landudno but all my dates are on www.joerooneycomedian.com Thanks for listening I'll talk to you next week Goodbye This was a Castaway Media production. Find more great podcasts on our network. Visit castaway.media. I'm seeing something. It's smiling at me. But not a friendly smile. The worst smile I've ever seen in my life. Do you see it right now? Smile. Rated R. Only in theaters September 30th.